0: Let me pray over us. Father, thank you so much that we get to gather and that we get to learn from you. Lord, thank you so much for just the power of your word, Lord, because um, just as it says, it's a, it's a light unto our feet. Lord, when we listen to your word, Lord, it guides us um, in the light. When we don't, it's like we're walking around in darkness, Lord. And thank you that we don't have to do that. Thank you that that's not just our walk before you, but our walk is in light, and it's, it's towards you, and it's with you. And so... Lord, we ask that you'd be here this morning and that you'd speak to us in the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. If you guys need a Bible, we have a couple fairies going around the room. If you do have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open to 1 Samuel 16. If you think about maybe one-third of the way into your Bible, that's where the book of First and Second Samuel is. It's been a couple weeks because we had a wonderful Easter last week. Um... We've been, just to reiterate, um, you guys have probably know, but if this is your first time, we've been going through, um, stay with me people, Uh, we've been going through a series on God's love and on the realness of the love, because how many of you guys have ever heard that God loves you? Of course. How many of you ever heard someone say they love you? Probably all of us for the most part. And that's, that's something that's a cornerstone of who the Lord is. It says, God loves you, and people, we say to one another, we love one another. But what does that actually mean? Because everyone says they love one another. But then if you ask someone, well, what is, what is love? You know, like, what is the definition of love? Then you're going to get a billion different definitions. And so that's why we're go- diving into it, because God not only is the one that makes the declaration that love is his, but he also defines it as well. And we've been looking a lot in terms of purity. We looked at topics like um, sex and lust and our culture as well as marriage. And this morning we're actually we're going to be taking a look at one that's more related to marriage in the sense of dating. And so um, if you remember just even some of the things that we talked about, marriage is a matter of wisdom. It's not experience. Someone who's been married ten times is not an expert on marriage and so, well, then what makes them What makes them wise? What makes them have an understanding of what godly marriage is if that's not necessarily what makes it? Purity is something that's done now and in every season. The person that you are right now in your purity is going to be the person when you're married or the person that you are when you're dating. Dating in itself or marriage in itself doesn't solve certain problems. That's a huge myth about those two things, and that's a huge lie about them. And that the person that you are right now, without anyone, is going to be the person you are when you're with someone as well. Which means that God wants to address us now. He wants to build us up in our purity and our understanding of what real love is right now. And so, we're looking at actually a story. If you're in 1 Samuel, go ahead and go to chapter 15. Um, Many of you probably have heard this story before, but um, just to show, just to give you guys a little background, This is a story about the country of Israel, which is God's chosen people. These are the people that um, God brought out of Egypt. You guys have probably heard that story with Moses leading them out of Egypt. They settled in the promised land and became a nation. And this is years down the road. This is generations later when it's happening. And there's a point where Samuel is this prophet. He's this person who intercedes before God and the people around them. And he has been given the duty before the Lord with the Lord to anoint a king over the land. And so you see him in this decision making and you see him in this story walking with the Lord, making a decision on behalf in the same way that you could possibly make a decision about who you're going to date, who you're going to allow into your life when it comes to the people that you're going to be in relation with. And so although this story isn't necessarily about dating in itself, the heart of it is exactly the same. When it comes to the wisdom piece of anointing someone or allowing someone into a certain relationship into your life and so to give a little bit of background Samuel had anointed a man named Saul you guys have probably heard that Saul as king but Saul became too into himself and became about himself and because of that he did wicked things and because of the position that he was in with the king it allowed him to do great evil because of the power that was at his hand and because of that he became corrupt and he became a wicked king. And so at this point, Samuel actually is grieved over the fact that he anointed him as king. And that's where we pick it up in the story. If you're in chapter 15, um, go ahead and look at verse 35. We're going to read just from that point, from verse 35 through chapter 16. It says, until the day Samuel died, he did not go to see Saul again, though Samuel mourned for him. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. The Lord said to Samuel, this is a little bit of time now. How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? He says, fill your horn with oil and be on your way, just as God always says to us. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Good excuse. Lord's response, take a cow with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord, which solves all of our problems. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. And Samuel did exactly what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him and they asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. And then he consecrated Jesse, the man he was looking for, and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And so what's happening is God has said, I want you to go to Bethlehem. That's actually the place where Jesus was born hundreds of years later. And so he goes to the city because he says, one of Jesse's sons is the king I want you to anoint. And so I want you to go there and say, I've come to sacrifice. I've come to worship before the Lord. But while you're there, I'm going to use you to anoint a king. And so that's where we're at at this point in the story. He comes and he says, hey, we're having a sacrifice. So Jesse, invite your whole family so I can see them because I'm going to anoint one of them. But he doesn't tell them that. Why am I talking like this? So when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. Eliab is the oldest son of Jesse. And he thought this, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. You see, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called in Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Jesse had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Now Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him, and he had him brought in. And he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And then Samuel went to Ramah. He went back home. Can we all say amen to God's word? Just like we said, this isn't a story that's, that's about dating, but it's about decision making. And When you look at things like marriage or like dating, or even just general just decision making in our lives, That they're a matter of wisdom, they're not experience. And much like marriage, dating 10 people doesn't make you an expert on it. But also, not dating at all doesn't make you an expert as well. There's a wisdom that comes with it um, in the moment. And there's a wisdom that comes while looking forward into certain things, even if you haven't experienced them. In Proverbs 27.12, there's an interesting um, word of wisdom. It says this, it says in 27.12, The prudency danger... And they take refuge. But the simple keep going and pay the penalty. The prudent people who have wisdom, they can see danger. They can see things that could hurt them ahead of time. They could see things, you know what, that's probably not a good idea. And even though they don't, they're not necessarily experiencing it, they can say, I'm going to avoid that because I know what that could lead to. But it says that fools, they'll, they'll pay the penalty. The only way that a fool can learn about something is by their mistakes. And God doesn't want us to learn about dating from failure. That's not how God wants us to learn about dating or relationships in general. But instead, God wants us to have wisdom to be able to look forward and to say, this is what God has in store for me. That is not what God has in store for me on certain things. You know, I would even just say as far as that when you try to learn on the run, or if you try to learn from failure, it just, there's, there's a brokenness that happens inside of you. Even giving your heart over to someone, even looking at someone in an unhealthy way, even if you're not dating necessarily, can really just wrench your heart. And so you might, you might be here in this room like, well, I'm not going to date. But maybe you're looking at someone and you're like, man, I really like them a lot. And you're giving yourself over in an unhealthy way. And you know what? I think that... Um, Wisdom is something that guides and it protects us. It protects us. It's a shield to us because when there's wisdom, when we look at certain things, it's able to protect us from things that harm us. Even though in the moment, it seems like it's the thing that we want most of all. It's almost like weapons for battle in a sense that dating, if, is, dating without wisdom is like going out into battle with no armor or no weapons at all. Yeah, you can throw a couple punches, but for the most part, they have free reign over you. And they can take as many shots as they want because you have nothing to defend yourself with. I think even a way that it's just, it's so valuable and it's so important is that feelings are just so deceiving. Because the thing about dating and the thing about relationships is that you are dealing with someone who is good looking. Can I say amen? Can everybody say amen? I said Amen. <laughs> When you throw feelings in, when you throw attractiveness into the mix, it's really hard to be wise sometimes because you might give yourself over to the things that you're attracted to and that becomes your determiner. But they just have nice hair. or But they just, they just have a really, really cool Instagram, Jeff. You know? These things start to come into our head and it starts to cloud our judgment. And the way that I would describe it is like this. Many of you gave me a hoot and a holler for bringing this on the stage, and so. So, uh, what do you guys think of this? Can you smell said donuts? Get your grubby paws away. Forget boys. Here you go, you can have one. We'll, we'll be handing out donuts after service, everyone. Okay, now before there's a riot, I would like to draw back to what I'm talking about. What was the first thing that you thought of when I showed you these donuts? Did you think about cornstarch? Did you think about flour? Did you think about calories? Stay with me. No. No, 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 no. The thing that you thought about in that moment was how good it tasted. You looked at it, and it was appealing to your eye. And so the very first thing that you thought of was how it appealed to you. If you only ate these things, it's bad for you. It will hurt you. But you're not thinking about that in the moment. You're just thinking about the things that it appeals to you to. Wisdom, in a sense, is to look at certain things and go, that's not healthy for me. But without wisdom, it's to look and say, man, that looks good. Yeah, that might cost me in the long run, but it's, it's good. And then you suffer for it, and then you live in regret. Because of that. You see, dating and how you see dating, your theology of dating, reveals your heart. See, God's more concerned. Here's the thing. God's more concerned with what kind of person you are in a relationship. In a relationship. Not getting into a relationship. God is more concerned about the person you are in a relationship rather than just looking like a good date. See, Samuel looked at Eliab, he just looked at him, he never talked to him, Eliab, the oldest son, and he said, surely this is the Lord's anointed, surely this is the one God. Samuel, you never even talked to him, you don't even know him, you just looked at him. And what's interesting as well is that with Saul, the way that Samuel describes him, it's in 1 Samuel 9-2 if you want to take notes about it it says this. It says, this is the first thing that Samuel noticed about Saul, is that he was a handsome young man, he was a good-looking young dude, and he was a head taller than the rest of the people. That's what he noticed about Saul. That was the thing that made an appearance of him as a king, and yet he was a wicked king. Didn't matter how he looked. The fact of the matter is, in the position of kingship, he could not take care of the people. And in the way, sometimes with dating, it's like this anointing of kingship, but the relationship is the actual kingship. God is more concerned about relationships rather than dating. You see, that's where we get into this, because you get a picture of Eliab where Samuel would look at him and say, Man, that's got to be him, just by mere appearances. But then when it comes to David, David's not even invited to the feast. Samuel has to ask, do you have any more kids? Like, did you have any extras that you forgot about? Oh, yeah, I have that one that's out in the fields. And yet, here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. When you look at the way that it describes David, this is what it says. He's tending the sheep. He's a shepherd. And that's an important thing to note because David doesn't pass the eye test with people. But... God knew that a shepherd was needed for Israel. God knew that it was someone who had a heart to shepherd the people around them would be the thing that would cover them, that would lead them to the Lord. This is what it says in Psalm 78. This is God speaking about David and speaking about him as a king. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him, listen, to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel's inheritance and David shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands he led them in the same way that David was a shepherd of actual sheep God saw that heart of selflessness of leadership and said you're going to do the same way with these people that are around you and you're going to lead them to the Lord and it was a good kingsmanship it was a long kingsmanship Which is probably why he's the most famous of all the kings. And that doesn't happen by chance. That happens because he had a shepherd's heart. And he had a heart after the Lord's own heart. Which is why the Lord says in verse 7, Don't consider his height or appearance, Samuel. You did that with the last king. This time, look at the heart. Yeah, you guys might not be able to recognize him. You might forget to invite him to this feast. But rather that and choosing the right one. Than choosing one who looks like it and having another wicked king and more oppression. You see, it's interesting to see even just how values are all wrong. We don't use God to get what we want, but instead we let God give us what we need. I want to repeat that. We don't use God to get the things that we want. Samuel doesn't use God to get the kind of king he wants. But Samuel allows God to anoint the king that they need. Dating is the same way. We don't say, God, help me to get the kind of person I want to be with. But instead we say, God, I'm going to allow you to choose the right person that I absolutely need for a godly and healthy and life-filled relationship. Can everyone say amen to that? You know, even in that story, Eliab, if you guys know the story of David and Goliath... Eliab was at the actual fight, and it says that Goliath taunted the Israelites day after day, but Eliab was too big of a wuss to do anything about it. David comes along because he's not even invited to the fight, and he hears him, and he says, I'll fight him. He says, I'll fight him, and I'll take him down. And then what Saul does is he says, here's my armor. Take my armor. Take my weapons. And it's like God is standing there in front of Israel and going, you guys don't get it. You guys don't understand how to win your own battles. You don't even know how to live your own lives. You see, you're trying to fight in this certain way. You're trying to look like Saul. You're trying to look like Eliab. You're trying to look the part, and you think that's going to make you guys healthy. But really, it's a man like David. It's someone who's after God's heart that will defeat your battles, that will lead you to victory in the things that God has for you. You see, Samuel, was, he was walked through just this interesting story with God. God walked with him through the story and just taught him certain things. God shepherded Samuel through this story. You see, Samuel didn't need God's help to find the best selection, but he needed God's help to understand what was actually good for him. God had to teach him about what he actually wanted and what he actually needed. God is here to teach us his definition of what relationships are. He's not here to fulfill our definition of what dating is. He's here, to, he's here to teach us about what it actually is, what relationships actually are in store. Not for us to stand and go, yep, that's the one for me, God. Lord, would you make that happen? Because what if he says, you're, you're considering the height or appearance, you're considering the wrong things in that person. So I've rejected them for you. See, God is the one that defines it. God's the one who anoints things for us and makes it possible God teaches us his definition not to be just the best within ours. And this is what it looks like. God's love looks like this. Here's here's the truth about dating. Dating in itself is a means to marriage. The reason that we talk about dating and marriage with one another is because the two are interrelated. Dating in itself leads to marriage. The characteristics of a healthy marriage are the characteristics you should look for in a healthy relationship or a healthy dating relationship. And what, what I'm not saying that you need to walk up to someone and go, will you marry me? You know, like, ah, that's not what I'm saying. But, but this is true. This is very true. If there is someone that you could absolutely not see yourself being married to, don't even flirt with them. Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) Amen don't even start with them if you can't see yourself with them in the long run don't even start don't even put your heart on the line don't even give of yourself over to someone who could dash you or hurt you don't even don't even think about it because the truth of the matter is dating in itself is is a pointer to marriage so that 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 question of why can't I date? One of the most common questions, when can I date? Why can't I date? Let me ask you, why do you want to date? Why do you want to date? Why do you want to be with someone? Because if it's for anything other than loving them like Jesus and them doing the same, then you're probably not ready for it. See, that's why if it's for anything other than maybe even leading to marriage, which is why dating in junior high doesn't exist and why your parents say it to not because it's just something that you're not you're not ready for. You're not ready to take care of another person's heart. I think you even look at Samuel to Eliab. He looked at him. He didn't say a word to Eliab. But he had started giving himself over to the idea as Eliab is king. He said, surely this is the Lord anointed. What a dumb thing to say. You know what I mean? Surely this is God's anointed. And he hadn't even talked to him. But think about that how often do we sit back and look at people in front of us and say surely this is what's supposed to happen I'm supposed to be with that person or surely this is what's supposed to happen I'm supposed to be with that person and it's like we we give ourselves over all it takes is an idea and you give yourself over to this idea and you grow attached to it and you start to raise it up and then God says actually that's I've rejected that and then you turn back and you say God how dare you turn against what I wanted I thought this is what you had in store for me God says, no, I don't want you to give your heart over to that because you didn't consider what I wanted. And even in that, God didn't choose Eliab because he had something better for Israel. How simple of a truth is that, that how much to listen to God when he says no because his yeses are way better than our yeses. How vital and how important is that? When can I date is a common question I get. When your parents let you. If your mom has to drop you off in a minivan, you're not dating anyone ever. Ever. But listen to this. This is where, if you really want to know, because that's, that is definitely a true rule, but that doesn't grasp the whole of when can I date. And this is why. I want you to hear this. When you can love somebody like Jesus does... When you can love somebody like Jesus does and put them first before them, the first thing that you need to look at another person is say, do I love them like Jesus? Do I love Jesus more than this person? And it's because that's the whole thing that will determine the relationship. I, I think of it like this. If, say there's a courtroom, you know, you can't handle the truth. And... There is someone who gets to be a judge and there are people that get to be lawyers and attorneys. And let's say just a different just love for certain things. We'll say your love for donuts. You know, your love for food. But now throw things like your love for Jesus. Throw in your love for that person or your attractiveness to that person. And here's the thing. Is your love for Jesus an attorney or is he the judge? Because if... If Jesus and your love for Jesus is not the judge, it doesn't matter if it's a part of your life. At the end of the day, you're going to make decisions based on selfishness, and you're going to make decisions based on your own wants, which is why it's so important for it to come first. That doesn't mean you can't have personal desires and just even attracted to certain things that are unique to you. But at the end of the day, Jesus is the one that gets to say. This is the final verdict. This is where we're going to move forward in. And this is where I'm going to rest on in my heart. That is why it's so important for it to go first. And you know what? If you can't, then I would just say you're not ready. And there's no shame in that. There is no shame in admitting that you're not ready to date right now. Because you want to grow in it so that you are ready for it at some point in the future. That's the decision that you get to make now. And that's why it's so important to make that decision right now. Because it will guide you down the road in the future. If you make that decision now, you'll be better off when you do, when the door does open for you to date. If you don't make it now, you're going to continue to struggle, even in the times when God wants to open the door. You know, I think that's where, like, if you feel like you're not ready to date, this is what it means. It means just God wants to get to know you more. God wants to date you. You know? Like, God wants to be with you. And he wants to spend some time with you before you go spend it with someone else. And it's a beautiful thing. That's nothing to be ashamed of. That's a huge joy. That's a huge praise. That's a good, good thing that God wants to have with you. I think that God has just as much in store for people when they're single than they are when they're married. It's the truth. Embrace every season that you're in. Because God has so much in store for each one. I think... When you think about well, who should I look for? And I think this story just says it so perfect. It's look at the heart. What is their heart like? It's someone after God's own heart. In fact, it actually talks about it in 1 Samuel 13, 14. That's a couple chapters before where we're reading right now. Saul has just sinned against Israel, and Samuel's standing before him when he says, That was he calls him out and he says, That was wrong what you did. And he, he says, This is what God has decided. He says, I am seeking out someone after God's own heart right now. He says that chapters before David's name is even brought up for the first time in the Bible. He says, I am already looking. I know, God knows what he's looking for. God knows what he's looking for, even before a name is given. And for each of us, you got to know what you're looking for before a name or a person comes into the picture. See, that's the beauty and that's, that's healthy dating. That's wisdom and that is decision making up front. No excuses, no walkthroughs of, but God, this person, look at their height. Look at their appearance. No buts about that because that's what God has in store. And truly, it's what's best for us. God is a hard line on this because he truly knows us inside and out on what's best for us. It's a truly you'll thank me later from God. Can I get an amen on that? It truly is you'll thank me later because God is able to see things that we're not able to see right now. And so when he makes decisions that are based on things he can see that we can't, it truly is best for us. Even if we go, why? No, that's hard. I don't want that. But God knows full circle what truly is best for us. You know, I think another, uh, I think another just important thing is don't decide for God. Don't decide for God. Let God decide certain things. And so a, a question that I often get from people is, does God have chosen ones for people, or is it is it just a free for all? Is it like going to Freddy's and you know, picking someone out, just the best one, best deal? Well, I think God s- sort of has chosen ones. Here is the truth of the matter: I've seen I have seen God pick specific people and put them together. One of my one of my closest friends, um, he's a coach. Um, Uh, down at george fox and he's he's a little bit older he's kind of like a mentor in a sense but he uh he went to russia on a mission strip when he was young and he met this lady there named Susie. just just met her they're both serving on the same team you know like there's like no attraction didn't think of that or like wow i could marry her wow i want to date her or anything of that matter because he's on a mission trip that night, he's laying in his bed, and he hears, he just hears, yeah, he hears visibly. He hears audibly, Susie is going to be your wife. And he's like, shut up, to the guy who's next to him in the bed. And he's like, I didn't say that. And they both stood up, and he had heard the audible voice of God. God had revealed that. And now they're married today, and they have two kids who are in high school and in college. You know, it was, it was, a, it was a moment where God has a chosen one. And I've seen that a lot. But you know what? I've seen the other side of it as well. People try to manipulate that or they try and go way too far with that and saying, you know what, I think God has chosen me to be with that person. So let's start dating. (laughs) You know, like, and it's like, get away from me. And so one of my friends, he actually preached. Okay, listen to this story. One of my friends preached for high school. (sighs) Oh, man, our world. Four girls on different accounts. Walked up to a girl leader and said, I think God's called me to marry that guy. All separately. And the leader, just as gently as possibly, she just said, oh, honey, you need to get that out of your head. Because that wasn't God. Is what she told all of them. But how funny is that, that we try and and say, oh, God's chosen this person for me. Because it's almost like a security, like to justify our unhealthiness. You know what? If God has called you to marry someone, he will make it happen. He will make it happen. You don't have to make it happen. You just got to be faithful to God, and he'll put the pieces of the puzzle together. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's an important one. So what about the other side of it? What if you're just like, well, I, I feel like it's okay to date that person, or then it comes down to wisdom in those pieces, those very things of are you able to date? Can you date without the minivan? No, I'm just kidding. Can you actually love that person like Jesus? Do they love Jesus? Because here's the truth of it. You don't have to give your heart over to that. Don't give your heart over to that. It is something worth waiting because God is good at revealing certain things when they're ready. You don't have to force God's will in certain things. All you got to do is love God and God takes care of all the administration and the business side of things. So if the worship team wants to come back up, I actually have something for you guys. It's a little more practical of a response that you're going to take home with you. It's not homework by any means, but this is something for you to keep. Okay, um, A pastor on staff here, a lot of them, you guys know him. His name is Grant. It's actually Daniel's dad back there. Everybody give it up for Daniel. You see, when I was in college and just learning a lot about this stuff, Grant had me do something. He calls it The 10, 10, and 10. And he says, I want you to go down and I want you to write the 10 things that you want in yourself as a future, either husband or a future wife. You don't have to be getting married soon to know what you want in yourself. And then the next thing is the 10 things that you want in your future spouse. What are you looking for? And on it, I put already the first one for both of those. I will love Jesus more than I will love them. The 10 things you want in your future spouse, they will love Jesus more than they will love me. Those are, those are things just settled. What are other things? What are things of God? Are you looking for a daily devotion in the word? Are you looking for someone who's going to make God a priority? Are you looking for someone who truly cares about other people? Are you looking for someone who has healthy friendships around them? And then the last one is the 10 things that you'll have between each other. What are things about your relationship that you actually want? Do you guys want to pray together? Do you guys want to read the word together? You guys want to have healthy boundaries together? Those are things that you share and you got to know and you got to be able to talk about with one another. And you know what? The thing about something like this is it helps you to know what you want. And if you know what you want, you know what you don't want. And it's easy to recognize certain things that are unhealthy around you because there's plenty of unhealthiness around us and there's plenty of the enemy in of this world that's trying to say, "Hey, come to this." And they're using attraction. They're using that that good look to try and lure you out of wisdom and out of godliness but to know what you want is to know what you don't want as well so i think this morning um if you guys want to stand with me and bow your heads we're going to close with just one worship song together i think that this is a point of just response before the lord of just saying that um god whether whether i wherever i find myself i just want to put you first and maybe this is an area of your life. Go ahead and close your eyes, guys. Um, maybe this is an area of your life that when it comes to dating, Jesus is just not first. Jesus is just, an, just a lawyer. He's not the judge in this area of your life. Maybe you have an unhealthy crush, or maybe you've just given yourself over to something, and you, just, you, you can feel just even it taking life from you. And you just need to say, God, I just give this back to you, and Lord, I trust you. Lord, I'm not going to give myself over to an unhealthy idea if it's not in your plan, Lord, and it's, it's not if it's unhealthy. And so, God, we, we trust you. Lord, we trust even the way that you would define and even the things that we would go after. And we want to be a people that seek your heart, and we want to seek to share life with people who feel and just share that same heart for Jesus in the same way. Lord, so would you just guide us in that? Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.